0: Today I want to talk about uh, this is a series I won't get done today and I'm not even going to try to hurry because God just changed what I was going to say so uh, the, the title of this is a day for humility but then the subtitle is national humility so I want you to hear me out Proverbs 16 18 and 19 says pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall and then verse 19 says better to be a of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And then for us New Testament believers, First Peter 5, 5 and 6, and I've read this for years, y'all. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, be clothed with what? You know, when you're clothed with something, when the Bible says clothe yourself with love, clothe yourself with kindness, clothe yourself with compassion. Here, clothe yourself with humility. The idea is the first thing a person sees when they see you is that. So that's what it's saying here, clothed with humility. What what does that mean? People could recognize, well, that's not a haughty person, that's a humble person. Wow. Then it says, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And then Isaiah 57, 15 is a verse quite close to me. I uh, was just a few weeks into my walk with God in 1976. And I was reading my Bible in my bedroom. And uh, at the time, it was the King James Version Bible. And and this verse just hit me between the eyes. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says, The high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And I recognized in my own life that I had a root of pride. I recognized that when I came to the Lord. There was a, there was a root of pride in me. Now, pride has all kinds of manifestations. Uh, did you know self-pity can be pride? Pride. Did you know anytime you're trying to get people to recognize and notice you, and some people do that with self-pity. I noticed as a child, because of the way I was raised, I was always younger than my classmates, for instance. I had a way of of saying things that I thought it would draw attention to my need and my lack and my want. And so I I found myself filled with self-pity. I know how that feels. I want you to know self-pity will quench the Spirit of God because, because the root of self-pity is personal pride. Now, that's hard to say. You hear me? And then you got the bully on the playground. Now, the bully on the playground, see, he's so, he, he, he has so little within. He has such a small foundation for life. He has such a small fault of himself that he's got to push everybody else around to make himself known. and and respected, so to speak. And and of course, that's pride, right? And then the other end of the spectrum, here's a person who thinks they know everything. And they know how everybody else ought to live, what they ought to think, how they should respond, what they should say, and how they should do this, 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 and this. Now, there's a person who's stuck on themselves. And and that's a person, that's really an extremely dangerous person because that pride turns to... uh, a, a desire for power, and so you've got the tyrant, the tyrannist, the person who seeks through law to control others, and uh, you, you got the spirit of Antichrist coming right from that. Spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of pride, and my friends, pride is rising up in our world today. Our nation uh, needs needs a lesson in humility right now. Can I go here? I wrote this in my notes, and and I didn't realize what the Lord was going to do here. Here's what I wrote down. We have been weighed, talking about we Americans, have been weighed in the divine balances as a nation and are found wanting, needy, out of bounds, proud. I was in my office, honestly, I mean, just before I came out here. Joshua, some of the praise team were in there. and um, We were praying. I was praying in the Spirit. And while I was praying in the spirit, that that phrase, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting, kept coming to my mind. So this is a word for our nation right now. We're in trouble. Did you know our nation's in trouble? Let me go a step further. Because our nation's in trouble, did you know you're in trouble? Your, Your children, your grandchildren, your future, did you know that? So sometimes we innocuously say, well, our nation. Well, you're part of that nation. You're a citizen of of America, or you at least live here. You got a green card, right? We're in trouble, y'all. Every possible part of life is unbalanced right now. Would you agree? And everybody sees it, and people are talking about it. Should we be talking about this in church? We have the answer. Let me talk about it a minute here. Let me go back to Daniel chapter 5. I'm going to read my hard copy Bible here. Daniel chapter 5, Belteshazzar, the king. Well, Daniel chapter 4, you know, let me me give some, some reference here, and I'm not trying to go fast. If I don't finish today, I'll get it next week. Daniel chapter 4, in fact, we had a men's meeting. We have a men's meeting every Tuesday, 6.30, and a men's meeting a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think. At the very end of the meeting, I read Daniel 4. Now, now again, the whole book of Daniel, the Israelites, because of their sin, disobedience to God, idolatry, uh, because they left God's uh, covenant with them alone and, and did what they wanted to do, actually... Uh, 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 took the habits of the nations that surrounded them and, and included them in their life and lifestyle. And God said, if you do that, you're going to be run out of property. And they were. The the, uh, the Babylonians took over Jerusalem in, in uh, 486 B.C., actually attacked them twice, second time was successful. Uh, 486 uh, B.C., they breached the walls in Jerusalem, and uh, they destroyed The temple took all of its goods, took all of its silver, its gold, its brass, all of the things used to worship God, and the uh, Babylonians used them to party. Nebuchadnezzar was a very proud man. He was king of Babylon, and I wasn't planning on saying all this, but let's give you the context. Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar was uh, one of the strongest kings in his region, and he was over a lot of people, and he was proud of himself. God gave him a dream. And in the dream, he grew feathers and his, his fingernails became claws. And he saw himself acting like an animal on the plains of the Middle East. And the dream was interpreted to him. and said, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, that's you. He saw a tree and the tree was cut off and the stump was in the ground. And the tree began to regrow. And bottom line says, for seven years, you're going to act like an animal. You're going to grow claws like an animal. You're going to grow feathers like a bird. You're going to crawl around. You're going to crawl around like an animal. You're going to eat like an animal. You're going to be, going to be away from human society. The very end of that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar got the message quite clearly. And um, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 37, Daniel 4, extol and honor the king of heaven all of whose words are truth, his ways justice, and those who walk in pride, he's able to put down. That was his words. He was a proud man, but God humbled him. Well, yeah. Chapter five. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and drank wine in the pray. He didn't listen. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, get, his lesson didn't go deep enough. He drank wine in the presence of the thousand while he tasted the wine Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold the silver vessels which his father nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in jerusalem this is nebuchadnezzar's son that the king and his lords his wives his concubines might drink from them then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of god which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw part of the hand that wrote. So so a generation before, God appeared to his father, said, you need to humble yourself, and because he didn't, I forgot there's actually a psychological problem that makes a person act like an animal. And that happened to him. He lost his mind for seven years. The problem was his personal experience didn't gravitate into the nation. And they still were were in the wrong and still had wrong attitudes, morals, and values. And here's his son, Belshazzar. They're actually desecrating the temple because the things that were used in worship of God and in honor of God that were made by Solomon uh, hundreds of years before, they were desecrated and they drank and they become drunk with the wine, drunk from the goblets. And it was a gaudy, gaudy party they were in. And God's hand wrote on the wall here. Then the king's countenance, verse 6, changed his thoughts, troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me the interpretation he shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all of the king's wise men came, but none could read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belteshazzar uh, Belteshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his lords were astonished. So then uh, uh, Daniel came, and I'm going to skip down and going to start right here with verse... um, 18, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom, majesty, glory, honor. And because of the majesty he gave him, all peoples, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up his, and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was uh, with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the heaven kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew this And you have lifted up yourself Against the Lord of heaven They have brought the vessels Of his house before you And you and your lords, Your wives Your concubines Have drunk wine From them And you have praised The gods of silver and gold Bronze and iron Wood and stone Which do not see Or hear or know And the God Who holds your breath In his hand And owns all your ways You have not glorified Then the finger Of the hand Of the hand uh, of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. It was written on the wall. Many, many tickle you, This is the interpretation of each word. Daniel's interpreting. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. That's the word I feel for America. Your kingdom has been divided, given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belteshazzar gave the command, and they clothed David with purple, put a chain of gold, um, uh, put a chain of gold around his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. This very night, Belteshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about sixty-two years old. God had to judge. God judged the Babylonians. God judged them because they, they desecrated what belonged to him. They took his people. They desecrated his land. They were lifted up in pride. A generation before, God spoke to uh, Belteshazzar's father, Nebuchadnezzar, but they didn't listen as a people. God came yet again. This time, he revealed himself in the physical realm. They actually saw God's hand as it wrote on the wall. I don't know about you, that was scared the jeebies out of me. For some years now, as a nation, America, we've been carving God out of the equation of life and we feel like we can do better without him. Did you hear what I just said? It's too constraining. It's too confining. It's too rigid. God is too demanding. So, as a culture, I'm not talking about the people necessarily in this room. I'm talking about the world we live in, the people we live around, us Americans. Hmm. We've rejected God, His Word, and replaced Him with a convenient God that doesn't bother the conscience with things like sin and impurity, rebellion, pride. That's us. I can't help but think, very end of June, 2015, we say, God, we don't need your word, we don't need your ways. We changed the definition of marriage. you marriage is the oldest institution known to man. Did you know that? When I do wedding, when I do weddings, That's one of the phrases I use. Marriage is the oldest institution known to man. Marriage, the institution of marriage is is older than government's. Did you know that? It's It's the oldest relationship and we changed it. Now anybody can marry anything. That's what our Supreme Court said, but it didn't change God's court. What it did do, let me tell you, it tipped the balance and it left us as a nation wanting and now we don't, we, we have no morals. I was thinking about it yesterday. We don't have morals. What happened to our morals? Even in the church, people are having problems with their morals. Why? Because our culture has sunken. Did you hear me? Now we're teaching our children in school. Had very tender years. Well, you might be a girl, but I think you're a boy. Let's change you. Let's reincentivize you. And they're wanting to put that in the curriculum of our schools. Do you like that? Are you doing anything about it? you 're is bringing judgment. I just want you to know judgment. The things that are being said and things that are being done publicly... They're encroaching on us, on all of us. They're going to affect our children and our grandchildren. Did you hear me? We've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Psalm 50, verse 16, But God said to the wicked, Why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? For you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. And y'all, we as Americans... We know what the Bible says, but we often don't do it or live it. Yes or no. OK? For you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them, and you spend your time with adulterers. Hmm. Um, that could be physical or that could be or that could be intellectually with pornography. in movies. Your mouth is filled with wickedness. Your tongue is full of lies. You sit around and slander your brother, your own mother's son. While you did all this, I will remain silent. And you thought I didn't care. This is New Living Translation, King James says, and you thought that I was altogether like you. In America, we've created a God of love, not a God that is holy and pure. We've created our own God and we want our God to bless us the way he blessed our forefathers. I've said these things so many times, but it bears repeating. If you've traveled anywhere, I've spent a lot of time in remote places in Africa. They have no running water, no electricity. You live, they live in fast, fast roofed huts with the walls made out of dirt and, and the floors made out of dirt. The walls, the the interior walls are made out of trees, limbs from trees, jagged-looking little limbs. And then the children, the children pot bellies because they have worms. I've seen uh, little kids with bottles in their hands of orange water from mud puddles because they can't find any clean water. They don't have anything to eat. You know, if you see those kinds of things, and I've seen it so many times, you almost become, I don't want to say I became accustomed to it, but I went there a lot. And every time I went there, I was thinking, God, this is so weird to be here, to see how these people live. then I've been all over India. I've been to the shanty towns. And the walls made out of cardboard and with plastic bags over them to keep the water out. I've been there, this nasty squalor. And then, you know, I I go to my nice hotel room. I take a nice hot shower. I put on my nice clean clothes. I get in my airplane and come back to America. And then I look and say, it's so weird. That's so different than here. If you've traveled and seen third world, it is not pretty. Would you agree? It is not pretty, y'all. Most of the world lives that way. Most of the world lives in an apartment flat. Go to Europe. Go to India. Go to the big cities in Africa. Go to I mean, go anywhere. That's how they live. But you, you got a big yard. You got a nice big house. You got the money to pay for it. You got a car. Not just one. You got two. You might have a boat you got money, you got stuff, we are blessed. How many know we're really blessed? See, we don't realize our blessings came from the honorable lives of people who recognize they're not smart enough to guide their own way and live their own life and make their right choices. Not all of them did, but enough of them did that God said, you know what, I'm gonna bless you. Because when you honor God's word, blessing comes. But we're about to learn a really difficult lesson in America. When you disobey God and throw his word away, the blessing ceases. I'm a pastor. I don't like to talk this way. But I'm telling you, we're extremely close to losing what we have. And you haven't seen the hell that can come. Did you hear me? In our arrogance, we are still partying. Just like the people in Bethesha's day. We haven't yet seen that the writing, the handwriting's been on the wall for a while in our nation. Even us Christians, we go about our way. We do our stuff. We sing our songs. We preach our sermons. But a lot of people haven't changed how they are, and they haven't repented of their pride of leaving God out of the equation of life. How many hear me? Now in America, so he so he says here, I didn't get through. While you did this, I remained silent and you thought I didn't care, but now I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent all of you who forget me and I, or I will tear you apart and no one will help you. Now that's some tough words, would you agree? You know, we, now we think we deserve. God gave me this yesterday. Now we, we think we deserve what only humility, fear of the Lord, self-denial, and hard work acquired. Did you hear what I just said? And now we've got young people being raised in their schools and colleges and institutions of learning. And they have a mindset that somebody owes them something. Nobody owes you anything. I personally deserve hell. I personally deserve to spend eternity in the lake of fire. But because of Jesus, I don't have to. I could be living like these kids I see in Africa. But God planted my soul in America and had my mother birth me here. Or maybe you're an immigrant from another country, but now you're on this soil. People from all over the world are coming here. But my friends, our days are numbered. I want you to know what I'm feeling on the inside. Did you hear me? Hmm. God is leaving America alone. I put it in my notes yesterday, and I pride we as a culture have pushed God out of our lives, and now he simply says, fine, do it your way. And now you want to know what's been happening in the last while? We're beginning to falter. We're beginning to fail. We still think that our ingenuity, we still think that our armament is going to protect us. The psalmist said, I think Psalm 33, no king is saved by by a bunch of horses. That means his military. Unless God protects you, you're not safe. How many hear me? Could judgment be when God chooses us to, uh, and to, uh, chooses to allow us to reap what we sow? How many hear me? and so i 've been thinking about this for a while. there's a success, and you know now in, in a lot of churches, it's just a good motivational speaker. Uh, the pastors become a good motivational speaker. Be all that you can be. You have the right to succeed. You have the right to be to the best things in life, right? You can plan your own destiny. You're unbeatable. You're unstoppable. You got a great can-do attitude. What I just said, I believe that. But there's one caveat. Only when you're submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. If you think you are owed that because of who you are and where you live, you're sadly mistaken. That's what's happened to us in America. How many hear me? See, what we have and these attitudes that I just mentioned, you know, they come from our history when we depended on God, when we trusted God, when we didn't trust our own resources, when we didn't trust our own wits in our own way. But the very thing we call success at some point will trend towards failure unless we humble ourselves. And that's what I'm feeling in my heart. You know, Israel prospered and won their battles as long as they put God and his word first, but they began to fail. Even, even when they took the Ark of the Covenant and put it in the middle of the battle because they wouldn't walk with God in their daily life, they lost their battles. They used to win, they began to lose. Here's another word I got this morning. I, 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 can't, I, I, came, I, I didn't plan on this. This came to me just This morning. Deuteronomy 8, listen to this. Verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God in the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commands, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today, lest, listen, this is a word for America, when you are, have eaten and are full. And have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, who speaking to the Israelites of their experiences in which fiery serpents, poisonous snakes and scorpions uh, and thirsty land where there was no water, who bought, brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and he might test you and do you good in the land. Then you say in your heart, my power, by my power and might of my, of my own hand, I've gained me this wealth. mm mm Friends, that's America today. Did you hear me? You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if, by, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day, you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, So you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. That's where we stand as a nation. Say, well, pastor, you talked about the problem. What's the solution? The solution is humility. And and, and the solution is us, the church. We've got to own the problems we have. Uh, Pastors like me have got to own the fact that, by and large, in a big way, the word of God has not been preached as it should because if it was preached the way that it should, we wouldn't allow the moral failures that we've allowed in our culture. And we wouldn't be living the way we do. We wouldn't have had, we wouldn't have aborted 63 million babies and made sin the law of the land. We wouldn't have done it. And now, if I even mention these things, people look, I mean, you can see daggers looking through me sometimes when i talk about what the Bible says. They're saying, well, you can't say that now. Why not? It's not God hasn't changed. It's because we have changed, our morals have changed. Some people don't like for me to say this, but the failures of America land at the feet of the church. And that's why why that often quoted scripture, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people call by my name, will pray and humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. So the answer's, the answer is not that everybody's going to change. and The answer is not that, you know, even our, uh, even, not, not immediately, but the answer is if people's, if God's people will fall on their face and repent, it gives God an avenue and an open door to, to move again in the nation. How many hear me? I uh, feel this. We've been weighed in the ba- balances and found wanting as a nation. In the future, you're going to see some very diabolical things happen that I don't think have ever happened on the soil of this nation, and most people have no idea and are unprepared. I pray about these things a lot. I pray about them in my private time. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of, um, you know, things online like you do. I listen around. one thing that has disturbed me deeply, and when I first started hearing it, I thought it was wrong, and I said, that's crazy. That could never happen. started hearing this many years ago. I have, I have uh, six different individuals from 1984 until now who have heard the same thing from the Lord. Don't forget that Joel, too. God said, it'll come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Right? So we're looking for the glory of God. I think the glory of God is probably going to fall in the midst of calamity. Because he went on to say, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, probably because they're going to sleep. All my servants and handmaidens I will pour out in those days. And then he mentions blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And he's all he's talking about that in the middle of revival. Why is he saying that? Because it's a time of calamity, because it's a time of judgment. Y'all, how many believe Jesus is really coming back? Question What am I doing to prepare for it? Are you preparing for Jesus coming, or are you living life as though things are just going to continue as they are? Things are changing rapidly. Uh six people independent of each other, I have found uh with these dreams and vi- they 've had dreams some of them say they are vi- sometimes a vision is a dream that 's in full color, and you never forget what you saw i've had i 've had a couple of those you just still i still remember some of them to this day uh and and you know uh and they 've shared them and and you can find this online but uh the first one uh dmitri Dudeman, was in europe. I'll get the name of the nation in a minute. Somebody can holler it out if you remember, if you know what I'm talking about. An angel appeared to him in 1984 and said uh, nuclear bombs will explode on the soil of America. I've had five other people independent of each other said the same thing, that we're going to be involved in a nuclear war with another nation. You may not be aware that the war in Ukraine, it is not what you think on the news. Friends, this thing is being fomented and it's being forced. And I have a feeling it's not going to end well. And you don't hear a thing about it if all you do is listen to the mainstream news. Did you hear me? You know nothing about it. But I want you to know things are changing. It could change very rapidly. Things are deteriorating in our nation for a reason. The food supply, somebody's setting fires to our food supply houses. Have you noticed that? There's 22, 23 in the last five, six, seven, eight months. They're purposely stirring things up, purposely causing supply chain problems. And Now you're having a problem if you want to buy a new car, you got to wait three or four months. Is that true? I've got, you know, in one of my houses, I have a rental house. And I needed a part for an air conditioner. And they said, well, well, heater. They said, well, we're having supply chain problems. The manufacturer is hard to get it now. Blah, blah, blah. And you hear that everywhere, don't you? You can say what you want about that. There are those that want our nation to fail because they want us to go into this one world thing. They want us to be ruled by the Antichrist. They won't use those terms, but that's what they're saying. Then our dollar is devaluing. It's going to devalue one day rapidly. One guy in a dream saw 30% in one day. Another guy saw eventually the dollar bill cut in half. Your money's worth half of what it was. I think the day's coming that the dollar is going to be replaced by digital currency. When that happens, look for personal control. Revelation 13, Revelation 14, the mark. The, 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 the mark everybody talks about. Things are changing. This is weird. I don't like talking about this, but guys, my job is to warn you and get you ready. You say, well, what can we do? We, if my people, we need to start practicing humility. When's the last time you thank God that you're alive, that you breathe, that you have health, that you have a house, you have a roof over your head, that you have clothing, that you have shelter, that you have transportation? that you have friends, that you have a sane mind. How many hear me? We've taken these things for granted for so long now. And friends, our chickens are coming home. You may be sitting here, you're watching me online, and you're doing things you know are sin, but you think, well, God loves me. God lo- he does love you. God's love will go right up to the gates of hell while you're thrown in. That's what people don't realize in America. God's too good to allow me to suffer, to allow me to have problems. Americans think the other, rest of the world's this way. Certainly, we can't be this way. Years ago, back in the 90s, when I was doing all this traveling, I saw the disparity of what I earned versus what the average person in whatever nation I was traveling in earned. And it deeply disturbed me. I said, There's, the inequity here is crazy. How can we have such opulence? And it's, you know what it is? It's because of the obedience of our forefathers. But my friends, that tank has run dry. And now we're going to begin to reap the way we live, what we do, the values we have. And that reaping is not on the blessing side, my friends. How many hear me? God showed me back in 1990 oh, and 1991, I was studying the book of Daniel. Everybody okay? I had no idea it'd take me this long to say this. I'm about done. I was studying the book of Daniel and when I saw that the Israelites went into Babylonian captivity, stayed there 70 years, and then I saw that Daniel was one of the Israelites, it suddenly dawned on me. Because I was thinking about, well, them wicked, mean people, they're going to get their just desserts. It's going to come to them. And then one day I was studying and I saw clearly, no, no, if it happens to your nation, you'll get involved in it just the same way. See, Daniel went to Babylon with the rest of Israel. Did you hear me? You think that what's coming is not going to affect you as a Christian? It will affect you. It'll affect your money, it'll affect your children, it'll affect your grandchildren. It'll affect your food supply. It'll affect your ability to buy gas. It'll affect your transportation. It'll affect everything. We think we're inoculated from No, we're not. Now, in the middle of that, will God meet us? Yes. Did God meet Daniel? Yes. Did God meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Yes, but they were in a furnace. And they were in a furnace because their people disobeyed God. I'm preaching freely today. Do you know one day I could be behind bars for saying what I said right, right now? Unless we change. I hope none of this happens in my lifetime. Was it Hezekiah the king God gave him fifteen years or or there was another one said, Well, God said, Well, you're not gonna be judged, but then the next generation will be judged. Don't you have that arrogant attitude? Well, the the bad's gonna happen to, you know, the people after I die. What a haughty attitude. Friends, we're in need of humility. we bring this home, I'm done. Um, I've always been a very proud person. When I first came to the Lord, God had to deal with me about my pride. And it wasn't, you know, I I didn't, you know, if you're proud, you don't even know you're proud. Everybody else knows you are, but you think you're humble. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) So, you know, I'm just just reading my Bible. It's like, Mitch. And and in 1995, I'm not going to tell this whole story right now. I'll come back another time. Maybe next time. January 1995, I was taking a walk in Oklahoma. Susan and I, six months earlier, five months earlier, just bought our first house. No, that month. No, I'm sorry, 1985. Yeah, uh, we, were not, we were in a rented house. And um, I was about to buy my first house. We had a, had a little baby. Jonathan was born in 1984. And I was taking a walk on a cold January night. Stars were bright. moon was bright. I could see my breath. I'm praying. I'd walk and pray, you know. And the Lord spoke to me. Among other things, he said to me, he says, Mitch, I'm going to take you through a season of life where I'm going to deal with your personal pride. I said, oh, God. Because I thought I dealt with myself. You know, if you judge yourself, you'll not be judging. I thought I'd put my pride down on the floor. But God said, I'm going to help you out. If God has to help you with pride, it'll be an adventure. And you know, the next few years, he did do that. And that's another story I don't have time to tell today. I'm not Mr. Humble today. You know what I do every day? I got, this morning, I got up. You've heard me say this so many times. I, got, I, I pray on my knees because I need to. I just need to. And the first thing out of my mouth is, Lord, I humble myself under your mighty hand. I don't know everything I should. I don't do everything I should right. I need you. Help me. I humble myself. It's a part of our Christian life that we need to talk about more. Humility is able to bear the blessings of God. Did you hear me? Pride will throw them away. And right now in America, we're throwing our blessings away. And the church is asleep. It's time to wake up. Did you hear me? Things are changing. Uh, A.B. Simpson was the founder of Christian Missionary Alliance Churches. He was born in 1843, died in 1919. He's got a series of books called The Christ of the Bible Series. I, I, I read this quote from that one of those books. It's a six-volume set. And, it, and I've mentioned this so many times, but I live by this thing. The veil, He said, the veil... That hides our future is woven by the hand of mercy. God doesn't always show you what's coming, because if He did, you couldn't handle it. But you know, God generally will not show you the day of your death, because that's all you'd be thinking about. Is that true? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why nobody knows when the rapture's gonna occur. All you'd be thinking about is that day. And so it is with what we call judgment, which is basically God withdrawing from a person, a family, or a culture. He won't show you what's going to happen. He just says, get it right and humble yourself. I want to invite you as I conclude. I had no idea I'd go this long. I, I sort of want to apologize, but I'm not going to. I feel like we should end the service this way. If you're concerned about our country, concerned about your children, your grandchildren, the well-being of those you know, your friends. I want to invite you, everybody, stand up. And if you want to pray for our nation as we conclude, come and meet me down front. And let's humble ourselves before God on behalf of America. We're, we're, in, we're in some difficulties most people have no clue about. And I'm not kidding, because nobody's talking about it. Not like they should. How many hear me? If you want to help me, come on down here. I'm not kidding. Come down. Just crowd in. Crowd in. Everybody's got their deodorant on. Cologne, perfume. If they don't, just bear it. I've been in a lot of churches. In Africa, nobody wore anything but nasty. 'Cause they hadn't had a bath in six months. I know what that feels like. I love y'all. Y'all know I love you, right? When I look at your faces, you know. Y'all come on crowd on here, look at all these people. Come on, come on. You know, when I see you, I see um, I see your kids, your grandkids, I see your friends, your coworkers, I see us. All of us put our pants on the same way every morning. <laughs> all of us need God. And I'm so concerned in my heart. <laughs> would you lift your hands with me, dear Father God? All of us here. I'm concerned for where we are as a country, Lord. It feels like we've uh, send away a day of grace, as the grandmother would say. And um, We're taking for granted that we have money. We have food. We have clothing. We have the necessities of life. We have a nice home. We have um, automobiles. Many of us, several. Lord God, we stand before the throne of God. First of all, for our country, we ask you to forgive us for our sins. If you agree, say, I agree. I agree. You got to look up at me. Look at me a minute. I don't care what you think about politics here. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, or don't even vote at all. I don't care. What is happening in our country right now has been allowed by God. You've got to say it. He could have kept this from happening, but he didn't. See, that's got a big why with a question mark in my mind. God, why did you allow us to go down so rapidly? See, it hasn't affected us much yet, but it's going to. It could be that in just six months you won't even know this place. Did you hear me? This is is the calm. That's where we are. You know, 1996, Hurricane Fran came to Raleigh and visited us. And I was downstairs praying my, praying my guts out, oh God, spare our house, because I mean, trees were falling, cutting houses in two in my neighborhood. And then the, the eye came, the eye of the storm came right over my house in Nightdale. And I opened the door, I could smell the salt, brine, water. <laughs> Man, that's weird. You know, we're a couple of hours from the coast. Wow. Looked up, I saw a clear sky. Whoa. Then I shut the door back and said, kids, get your butt downstairs. Here come the rest of the storm. It's as though right now we're in the eye. Do you hear me? I so said, can we sincerely pray? So dear Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you again for me. Forgive me for my sins. You ask God to forgive you for yours. Lord, in the area of my life I've disobeyed the word of God. I ask you to forgive me. Any time that I've taken my life in my own hands and, and directly disobeyed you and your word, I ask forgiveness. Any attitudes that I've had of pride, thinking I can do it myself without you, all of the times I've made decisions without consulting you, I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I repent. You pray that way for your own life. If you're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in and you think, well, God's got me covered, no, hell, the jig's up, my friends. So dear Father God, I ask you again. Let your grace and mercy. Lord, let it flood my life and forgive me. Now, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus with all these wonderful people that love you. If my people call by my name, you said, will pray and humble themselves and seek my face. So, Lord, right now, we, we humble ourselves to you. And on behalf of the United States of America, the things that are happening right now, the things that we are allowing the cultural mores that we are allowing, all of the immorality that we are allowing, the lying, the deception, the idolatry, putting money before God, all kinds of things, the abortions. Abortions are as a result of illicit sex most of the time. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. For our personal participation, we ask forgiveness, sir. Lord, on behalf of a nation that is in need, a nation that has been found wanting in the balances, Lord God, we ask forgiveness now in the name of Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we ask not for judgment but for mercy. Is there any way that judgment can be put off? Is there any way that that what I feel is coming uh, can be hindered and stopped and stayed? Oh, dear Father God, let your mercy, let your grace be poured out. Lord, let the revival that you spoke to your prophet Joel about, let it rise up in our day. And Lord, let churches be filled with people who are hungry for you, not just nodding to you and going and living life the way they always have. Lord, let there come a change in us, the body of Christ, us, the family of God. Lord, let there come a change in how we do life and how we think about ourselves and how we we live and how we work and how we relate to our spouses our children our grandchildren our friends our co-workers let there come a change let there come a knowing on the inside let there come a knowing on the inside that we must answer to the god of heaven and lord we pray for those around us lord we pray for our neighbors we pray for our friends lord we pray for our co-workers we pray for our relatives we pray for our immediate family and extended family and Lord ask that the spirit of God would move let him move through them let him work through them let him minister to them let him draw every one of them to you dear father God I ask let the gospel be preached by the way we live life by the decisions that we make by the conversations that we have or refuse to allow ourselves to have it. let the gospel be preached by what we refuse to allow our bodies to participate in if it's sin and the rest of our cultures doing it lord let us preach the gospel with our lifestyle in the name of jesus let there be an indelible print on your people that were different and were to shine like a light in Jesus' name. Let it come, Lord. Hi, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Lord, let this be a day that we seek your face. We seek your face and not your rewards. We seek you with all of our hearts. And Lord, we don't seek you for things. We seek you because we want you and we need you. We're lost without you. Hallelujah.